Amen. Word of uh, testimony uh, before we pray again. Uh, many of you have been praying for uh, Bobby Swain's sister, Kathy, who had a very serious diagnosis of cancer in several of her vital organs, and the doctors were not very hopeful. But we've been praying, and she went through uh, treatments, and uh, the doctors recently uh, did another <clears throat> uh, testing, and they said that, 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 that almost all the cancer has gone from her body. She just has a little bit in one lung, and so this is a miracle, and we are praising God. And uh, keep praying for Kathy and for the Swain family, and the doctors said it was a miracle. And so we know that God does answer prayer. Lord, thank you for answering our prayers for Kathy, and Lord, we just ask you, you'd continue the healing process that all the cancer in her body would be destroyed, be destroyed and be gone. And we, Lord, we thank you for the miracles that you do every day. And Lord, the many things that you do in answer to prayer. And beyond that, your kindness and, and graciousness in helping us in so many ways. Lord, we thank you that as we worship you today with our giving, Lord, that we are partners with you in your kingdom. And we are so very grateful that we have that partnership and can be good stewards of the resources that you have given us. And so bless these gifts, Lord, multiply them, use them for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> we are looking forward to a communion this morning. And so we need to be preparing our hearts, looking to God, asking him to examine our hearts and to help us to realize the importance of, of this opportunity, uh, this event, and what a great blessing it is. Turn with me to Psalm 126 as we're continuing our study of the Songs of Ascent. And oh my goodness, we have come to a wonderful and uh, glorious song regarding the joy that we know as believers through God's wonderful plan of redemption. Redemption, reconciliation, restoration. Do you know that that's what our salvation is all about? And as Israel came to this place in their pilgrimage of worship, of coming up the hills around Jerusalem and coming to the temple and then coming to the throne and then considering God's great blessing through the ages and in things present. We have this psalm which gives us the perspective on redemption and joy and how God's blessing upon us as a people is an incredible witness to the world regarding the goodness of God. <clears throat> How many of you know that people are watching us? When we say we're Christians, when we say we believe in Jesus Christ, when we say we go to church, when we say we pray, when we say we're living for Jesus Christ, people stop and take notice, and they're watching us, and they're really testing us to see if there's anything different anything special, if there's any sparkle in our lives, 
anything that reflects the goodness of God. And let me say over and over again, believers are reflecting the glory of God in ways they don't even understand. And we find in this psalm that Israel was seen in terms of their journey of faith and God's blessing upon them and the nations of the world were noticing and declaring the goodness of God upon Israel. Sometimes even more than Israel recognized and knew that. And isn't that the truth? Sometimes people, even unbelievers, can see God's blessing on our life that we're not even aware of. We're not even considering. Sometimes we take God's blessings for granted, don't we? Sometimes we forget to give God the credit that he is due. But oh my goodness, what a wonderful psalm this is. Just to celebrate. And as we're moving towards uh, Thanksgiving, what a great way for us to stop and think, you know what? It's a wonderful thing to know God. To experience his blessings. To be thankful and grateful for all the right reasons. And so let's read this and let's find our place in this story and this journey of faith. Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. That is for Israel. The Lord has done great things for us. Now Israel says God is blessing us. And we are what? Filled with joy. Say those words. We are filled with joy. Verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. And oh, for the joy of God's blessing. As we realize, we we live in a, a world that's full of sorrow and disappointment. And we do our best to improve our lives, to manipulate our circumstances, to have a better life. And there's a certain level of happiness which is possible when we live our lives right and appreciate the natural blessings of being alive in this world. But there's something so much important, so much greater than all of that, which is described in scripture as the joy of of the Lord. Do you know the joy of the Lord? Do you know that it's something that goes far beyond the experience of happiness related to our circumstances? It's a deep-seated sense of well-being before God. The Hebrews use the word shalom to talk about the peace and wholeness of salvation in God. And the joy that we experience as we recognize God's goodness, His blessing. 
as we recognize that he is with us. There's a wonderful uh, biography written by C.S. Lewis, which is called Surprised by Joy. Have you read it? I would highly recommend it. And he talks about his journey of coming to know God and how he was an intellectual, he was an atheist, very skeptical of Christianity, and as he began to study about Jesus Christ and his teachings and the history of his life and of the church, he continued and he said, suddenly he began to realize that he was experiencing a joy that he had never experienced before. And it was a joy that was connected with this hope and this faith in God in a way that he had never known before. And he talks about his salvation experience as being surprised by joy. Isn't it wonderful to think about our relationship with God that way instead of joining a religion? Big difference, huh? Do we want people to join a religion? To become religious? Or do we want them to be surprised by joy as they truly experience the person and the presence of God and the transformation that takes place? How many of you know about the joy that C.S. Lewis is talking about? We do, as believers. It's that joy that transforms our whole concept of life. It's a burning desire, excitement about who God is and what he has done. And how wonderful it is. Jesus promised this in John 15, 11. He said, so that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Did you know that joy is God's plan for your life? Not worry. <laughs> Not anxiety and sorrow. And oh, we all go through seasons where we do worry. We do feel sorry. We do feel anxious. But we know that God's will is ultimately the joy and satisfaction of the relationship that we have with him. And how wonderful it is to go through the, the Psalms and see how many times this joy is expressed. One of the reasons that I love the Psalms is because... <clears throat> There's a, a shared experience, a shared journey of faith with believers in an ancient period. Yet it's exactly the same experience of knowing God and how our hearts are encouraged. And so, can we look through this psalm and just see some of the high points and make application as we realize this is our privilege it's our, the responsibility of our witness to give God credit for all the things that he has done that enable us to be filled with joy. But would you first notice in verse 1, when the Lord brought us back captives to Zion, and this is thought to refer to the Babylonian captivity in the time of Israel and Nehemiah, when the children of Israel were able to return to the holy city. But it could refer to any time of captivity. The captivity in, in uh, Egypt. The captivity to the Philistines. Those seasons when they were under 
the, the stern, the repression of, of their enemies. And to think to be brought back to belong to him. And this is the concept of redemption. And the reference is we were like men who dreamed. In that the redemption of God was so wonderful, it was like something that we dreamed. But with that dream was the hope and the understanding that this was surely God's plan and God's purpose. And so it's a wonderful dream that is realized as we experience that redemption. In verse 2, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. This is the joy, the joy, the overwhelming joy which comes as we realize that God indeed has intervened in our circumstances. He's delivered us from evil influences and he has claimed us for his own. Redemption is the experience of salvation. We have, always, we have all experienced this on a very important level as we realize that God has rescued us. God has redeemed us. God has reconciled us. God has made us his own. Do you believe that God is involved intimately in each of our lives? He truly is. We need to wake up. We need to give him credit. And just to see his hand at work. Just to recognize his presence. Just to discover how he answers prayer. is such an incredible source of joy. And then next we read. Then it was said among the nations. The Lord has done great things for them. The witness that comes as God's people receive his blessing, as the whole world notices there's something different. There's something special. There's something wonderful happening in the lives of God's children. And then as we realize what God is doing, even as we hear the witness of those that are observing, we internalize that with our own testimony as we say, Yes, God has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Isn't that wonderful to have that kind of testimony? I've got a friend who uh, teaches people how to give what he calls an elevator testimony. <clears throat> What's an elevator testimony? Well, it's a testimony that you can give when you step into an elevator with other people and you've got a, ca a captive audience for a few floors. What do you say? What do you say? Well, I think it's important for us when we have that opportunity to express our joy and our gratitude for the goodness of God and what he has done in our lives. Sometimes we're too quick to say something negative about this world. Something that sounds even like we're condemning people that don't know what we know or don't live the way we live. But oh my goodness, an exuberant, joyful testimony can stir a heart so that people will want to know God. I'll never forget an experience I had with a man that I used to uh, so appreciate, 
loved him, and he was really a mentor in my life. Harold Bredesen, in the years that I was back in uh, Virginia Beach, and Harold would come to town and call me, and we'd go pray and go witness, and he taught me so much. But we were at a meeting in uh, New Orleans, and uh, he, it was after midnight, and he wanted to go down to the French Quarter. Can you believe that? How many of you know what the French Quarter is in New Orleans? And I said, well, Howard, I'll go with you. I didn't know what to expect. And anyway, so we left the hotel and walked, and it seemed like a pretty dangerous journey down to the, <clears throat> the French Quarter. And we started to walk down the street, and he started to shout, Hallelujah! God bless you! And he peeked his head into one of these dark, smoky bars, and he said, God bless you! Does your mother know that you're here? Anyway, he worked his way down the street with such exuberant joy. And I thought, what's happening here? I'm just praying, trying to keep up. He comes back up the street a few minutes later, and people are waiting to talk to him, to ask him for prayer, to tell him their story. And I realized that it was his joyful exuberance and his love and his compassion the outpouring of God's love that reached them in such a remarkable way you know what he didn't yell out condemnation though you'd think in these uh, dens of iniquity which are so prevalent in that that place that culture but what did he do God loves you and I love you and isn't it wonderful to know the blessings of God? And so, what do we learn from that in terms of our testimony and our witness to the world? Well, it's all here. As we continue, in verse 4, interesting shift in the psalm as a prayer appears, Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Like streams in Negev. And as Israel is thanking God for his blessings, for his deliverance, the prayer is, but Lord, continue this work of redemption. Don't stop now. Keep delivering us. Keep helping us. Restore all of our blessings and our fortunes in you. There's another part of this that that reads, and something that we can identify with, as we recognize God's blessing through the time of trial, even in the time of trial, and we're struggling and we're seeking God, and God begins to bless us with his presence, an intimate relationship, and sometimes we're in, let me ask you, have you ever been through, you're going through a serious trial, and God is with you and he's blessing you, and you have a moment where you hope the trial lasts a little longer, because of the presence of God and the renewal that's taking place. Am I the only one that's experienced that? We all have. You think about how things change, how things turn. And we say, oh, I would just like this trial to go on a little longer. Because I'm experiencing God's blessing in such a wonderful way. What does James say in chapter 1? They count it all joy, brethren, when you enter into trials. Many different types of trials. Knowing this, that the testing of your faith brings 
maturity. Now, I don't enjoy trials enough to pray for more. How about you? I have plenty. But I do know this. It's a wonderful, precious time when you're in the trial and you find God's presence, God's provision. He makes a, he, he prepares a place for us there to have wonderful communion with him. And then the principle that concludes the psalm, which is a wonderful principle of life, and it almost seems out of place, but as we study it more deeply, we realize, yes, this, this relates, it needs to be here. He says, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. This is the joy of knowing God, which comes as we invest ourselves in the things that are important. As we sow seed by faith in good places, trusting God to bring increase. And here we see two, two, two sources of joy. That joy which comes earlier in the psalm through the unexpected deliverance of God. Where God just suddenly appears and makes things right. And we are overwhelmed with that unexpected blessing that comes. But then there's the kind of joy that comes as we're in a difficult place and we have to plant good seed with tears of sorrow, not understanding, not knowing, not receiving the comfort and the support that we would normally expect. And we realize that through that labor of love, we continue to plant invest and serve that it's preparing us for a great joy a different kind of joy but a joy of fulfillment that we as believers certainly know I read about a farmer who was uh, in Oklahoma during the terrible bus, uh, dust bowl days and he said he would take the, the seed that he had and he knew that if he could plant a thousand seeds for every tear that he had shed, that there was hope. And so he sowed his seed with tears. And though the harvest wasn't nearly what was expected, with each harvest, there was a sense of gratitude that it was God that had provided. We have tough times in this world, don't we? We have to keep planting good seed and know that if we <clears throat> sow with tears, we shall reap joy according to his promise. <clears throat> well, we want to have time for communion this morning. And so I want the worship team uh, to come up. I've asked uh, Sam to, to lead us in communion. Our ushers will come forward. And let me just say a few things. Oh my goodness, it's so wonderful to know God. It's so wonderful to have the testimony which reflects a joy which is supernatural, which is overflowing. Let's join in that testimony of God's deliverance in our lives and all of his children through the ages. Let's have a witness to people 
who need to know the true gospel by telling them what a wonderful thing it is to know God's blessing. Lord, help us this morning as we consider this scripture, as we prepare our hearts for communion. Help us to know, Lord, that it's all about the joy that you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We have the privilege this morning of entering into communion with the Lord and with each other. And we're going to join at the front again as we did the last time. Come up and receive the elements and you can stand on either side and we'll take communion together. Um, But I was reading through here in 1 Corinthians 11 and uh, as I read this passage that we always read at communion, I realized that it was right after a passage where Paul was absolutely rebuking the believers for their division, for their being one-upmanship, for not caring for the needs of others. And as I spoke the last time that I led communion about unity, this is truly what Paul is talking about. He's talking about us caring about the needs of each other, looking out for the concerns and cares that one another have. So as we come, let's think about how God has looked after our cares and our concerns. Let's look at the example that he has set forth for us to follow in. And Paul says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In this same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's come and receive communion and we'll hold it and we'll take it together. Jesus, we thank you for your great love, which you poured upon us as you left your home in glory, came to this earth, Lord, and gave of yourself to win us back to you. We thank you for your sacrifice. As we take this bread, we remember your body. And Jesus, as you said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So willingly, Lord, you went to that cross. Willingly, you suffered for us. We thank you for your blood. I just want you to look on the right of you and notice the person on your right. Notice the person on the left of you. And I just want you to pray for them right now. Let's just pray together. God, I thank you.
I thank you, Lord, for your care and your concern for us. And I thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be one. To be united, Lord, in our belief in you. To be united, Lord, in our love for each other. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to take on the burden, the care, the concern of those around us. To truly care about their needs and concerns. And to pray for them. Lord, I lift up this one on my right and this one on my left. You know the, the cares and concerns that they have today. And we just ask, Lord, that you would meet them, that you would be faithful to help them through the trials that they're facing, through the challenges, Lord, that they're facing today. And may I remember, Lord, to pray for them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace and in love and in forgiveness. In Jesus' name, God bless you.